Stone Creek, how we doing this morning? Come on. Hey, first thing before I say any other words, let me say these words. Go Braves. Go Braves. Today is the day. I believe it. And listen, we, what, what we learned when we were growing up is coming to truth, right? Cheaters never win, right? We hate the Astros here. That's good. That's good. I believe that's biblical. So, um, man, for those of you who don't, know, don't know me, my name is Sean Curry. I'm the student pastor here, and I'm super excited to be diving in to what I feel like God has for us today. But before I do, I just want to say happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. That's another thing that's special about today. And for the very conservative Christians in the room, I, could, I guess I could say happy Reformation Day. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can Google Martin Luther. But let me just talk to you for a second, okay? Let me talk to these conservative, really conservative Christians who are like, Halloween's from the devil. Let me talk to you for a second, okay? Halloween, um, I, I want to challenge you as one of your pastors to, to go out and trick-or-treat tonight, okay? You won't get struck down by God. I promise, okay? And if you have complaints about that, if you're like, ooh, I don't think that's biblical, I, I, let me give you my email. It's stephengibbs at stonecreek.church. Go ahead and email. I would love to hear from you at that email. So we're in a two-part series called uh, Ghost Stories. Everybody say ghost stories. And it's very appropriate for the season, isn't it? Like ghost stories, boo, Halloween. But that's not the reason that uh, we named it ghost stories. Why we named it ghost stories is because we believe there's things that we don't talk about often as a church, that the church, uh, whole church doesn't talk about often enough, that, that have to do with what we, as in our minds as humans, would sometimes easily refer to as just ghost stories. And how cool is it to be a part of a church that dives into the things that other churches step around, right? How cool is it to be a part of a church and to, to be at a church under the leadership of Stephen where he's like, no, 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 we're going to dive in and talk about the things that might be heavy, that might be harder topics, but it's because it's real and it's what the Bible says. Can we just give it up for Stephen uh, for real fast, the, the way he leads the church? Come on. Last week, Stephen talked about heaven and hell in such an amazing way, and it just shows how much he knows Scripture and knows the person of Jesus, because easily uh, heaven and hell can be a scary message for Christians, because we're like, oh no, like we think of the street preachers on the corner, and turn or burn, and they're terrifying, but that's not how Stephen preached it, because that's not what the Bible says, and I, I don't know about you, but I left last week with full of hope uh, because of the person of Jesus and who Jesus is. And today, we're going to be diving into the topic of angels and demons, okay? Some of you are like, ooh, I didn't know that this was church. This is church, okay? We're going to be diving in to angels and demons. And I know preaching this message on Halloween can make it feel like maybe I'm standing up on stage just telling you a ghost story. You know, like when we sit around a campfire and have s'mores and screams, like that kind of story, a ghost story. But what my goal for you is today, what my goal for us is today, is that we would understand the reality of angels and demons and how angels and demons are so much more than a ghost story. But they're the present reality that we live in, and where we are going, they are part of our future. Because if we can be honest, thinking about angels and demons thinking about life after death, thinking about what's out there in the spiritual realm, we don't like to think about it. It's scary because it's unknown. It's scary because we can't see it. It's scary because it feels like we don't know what is going on. See, we like to keep angels in heaven and demons in scary movies, don't we? That's where it's comfortable for us. 
But what I hope today, what I pray today, my prayer for us this morning is that we would understand the hope that is in this story because of the hope and the peace and the power that's in the person of Jesus. Let me pray for us and we'll dive in. Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. And Lord, I pray that your presence would be in this room this morning. Jesus, I pray that we would understand that angels and demons are so much more than a ghost story, but they're a present reality, a present war, a present battle that we are invited to fight with you in. And Jesus, I pray that this morning we bring clarity. I pray that ultimately this morning we bring hope because of who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so how many of you, show of hands, like scary movies? The students in the room. Okay, okay. Listen, I'm not discipling them well enough very clearly because scary movies are terrifying. Okay, I hate scary movies. And so I'm glad to know I'm in a space that's comfortable with most of you. Um, but I'm not a scary movie fan, okay? And when I remember back to uh, this, this point when I was a freshman in college at Kennesaw State, um, I remember that uh, my roommates and my hallmates were going to go out and see a scary movie. Now, here's what you need to know. Uh, like many of you know who have been to college, when you leave your comfort comfort bubble of high school and you go to college, you want to fit in, right? You want to you be friends with new people. And so what you do is you go to events and you go to things that they go to so that you can form relationships and form friendships. And uh, I remember there was this moment where I was uh, on my hall and uh, my roommate, who I was just getting to know, was like, hey, we're going to go to a movie tonight. Do you want to come? And of course, I didn't ask questions. I was like, someone likes me. Yes. And so I was like, let's go to this movie. And so remember that night we get into the car and we head to the movie theater and it hits me in the car I don't know what movie we're seeing so I was like yeah 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 what what movie we seeing tonight and they say the word insidious okay here's the thing that's a big word I went to Kennesaw State not UGA okay so I was like ooh I don't know what that word means turns out the definition of the word insidious is a slow harmful effect Little did I know for the next three hours, my heart and my health were about to go through a slow, harmful effect. We get to the movie theater, and uh, pro tip for those of you who don't like scary movies, and if you're like me and get peer pressured into going to them, um, here's a pro tip that I use to not get scared uh, on the outside. On the inside, nothing I can do for you. The outside, though... I can help. So what you do, what I do is I get to the movie theater, I buy a large popcorn and a large icy. You might say, why an icy, not a soda? Very good reason, because it goes down slower, okay? And here's what I do. I get into my seat and I eat my popcorn and I drink my icy because what I'm trying to do is distract my mouth from screaming and distract my mind from comprehending where I am, okay? So I'm eating the popcorn and drinking the icy. Here's the problem with this movie. I ran out of popcorn, okay? and it just went down, okay? I was scared, I was terrified. This, if you don't know what Insidious is, praise God, but what it is, is it's a movie about demonic possession, and there's these demon people running around everywhere, and they jump out from behind everything, and you're just terrified, okay? And so we watched this movie, and everyone's like, that was such a good movie, and I was like, so good. And we went back to my college dorm and I remember I was getting to my room and I was sitting there and it was dark outside and you know, after you see something scary, there happens to just be noises everywhere. And I was sitting there and I was like, I don't know what to do. Sleep isn't an option. So what do I do? And I remember I was, a, I was kind of a new Christian at this point, just, just giving my life to Jesus very recently. And I had my Bible and I was like, 
the Bible. Okay, peace. That's supposed to bring peace and comfort and power. And uh, then I can read it and I can go to sleep. So I get my Bible out and I was like, I don't know even where to begin in this. And I remember uh, somebody told me at one point that there is a a book in the Bible that really deals with angels and demons called the book of Revelation. And so what I decided to do is sit down and open up my Bible to the book of Revelation for the first time. And I didn't sleep because I was even more terrified after that, okay? So a scary movie led to me reading my Bible, and I was terrified. And if we could be honest, many of us are in that boat this morning. We don't confront the reality of angels and demons because we don't know enough about them, so it's easier to live in bliss, right? It's, it's easier to say, ooh, I'm just going to forget it. I'm not going to acknowledge it. Maybe it's not real. I'm going to leave it for Halloween, But I want for us to know this morning that just like me in that moment, distracting ourselves from it doesn't change the reality of what's happening. Doesn't change the reality of the war that is going on right now. See, I had no idea what I was reading when I read Revelation. I'll be really honest. Maybe you've been in that boat before. If you don't, I've never read Revelation We're going to go into it today. Hopefully it'll help a little bit. But I was confused and it led to fear. And the reality is that so many of us are fearful when it comes to demons, maybe even angels, because we don't know what happens. We don't know who they are. We don't know what it means for us. We don't know what to do with them. We don't know where to put them in our mind. And just like many of us this morning, I was just so unaware of the reality of angels and demons, and it affected how I saw the reality of where I lived and how I saw Jesus and how I saw my purpose and how I comprehended the spiritual world. See, I thought angels were just floating on clouds up in heaven or up in space. I thought devils were just like a costume you wore on Halloween with a red cape and a pitchfork. They were just ghost stories to me. And this morning, maybe, just maybe, demons and angels in your mind have just been ghost stories to you. But my hope for us this morning is that angels and demons wouldn't be a scary ghost story for us anymore. But by confronting the Bible, the word of God, we would walk out of this room with hope and with expectancy this morning. And when we understand more about angels and understand more about demons, we'll understand more about the story that God has us living in right now and the story of where he has us going in the future. See, the first thing I want to address this morning is that angels and demons are both very real. Let that sit. Angels and demons are both very real. They're not made up to scare us. They're not made up for campfire stories. They're not just created for scary movies. They're all over the word of God. They're refer- See, like what you would know if you read the Bible is that they're refer- referred to in the Bible. 34 out of the 66 books within Scripture talks about angels and demons. They're real. But the reality doesn't change the fact that many of us have questions surrounding who are angels, who are demons, what do they do, what does it mean for us, what happens... And so what my goal is today is what I want to do is I want to just walk through some questions together as a church. And I don't want for you to walk out of here this morning thinking, oh, this is what Sean believes about angels and demons. Well, my hope, well, my prayer is that together we can ask some questions and dive into the word of God and see what he has to say about it. And hopefully, just hopefully, we will walk out of here with hope. Sound good? All right, first question I want to dive into today is where do angels and demons come from? Where do angels and demons come from? 
Well, angels have not always existed. Okay, angels and demons have not always existed. In fact, in in First Corinthians, or sorry, in Colossians 1:16, it says, "For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or rulers or dominions or authorities. All things were created through him and for him." So God created angels. But there weren't demons, okay? God created angels at first, but there were no demons. But that changes as in Revelation 12, 7 through 9, as we see this war in heaven break out. Check this out. Revelation 12. Now war arose in heaven. Michael, who's like archangel, so think angel, but like a hierarchy of angel, leader of angels. Michael and his angels were fighting against the dragon, and the dragon is the devil, okay? The dragon is Satan, and the dragon and his angels, and dragon's angels are demons, fought back. Satan was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And so the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent. So think back to the book of Genesis when, when Satan comes as a serpent to Eve. That's what they're referring to, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So Satan, also called Lucifer, tries to overthrow the throne of heaven. He tries to take God's place, and he convinces a third of the angels to join him in his efforts. So they come after God, they create a war, and God, spoiler alert, is more powerful. Okay, God always wins, and so what does God do? He says, get out of here, and he banishes Satan and a third of the angels of all of heaven down to hell. And some are in hell, some are, 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 are prowling through earth. But now there's two-thirds of angels in God in heaven and a third of angels who are now demons with Satan. And angels and demons have been at war with each other ever since that moment. So as humans, we're born into earth. And many of us know and understand that we're born into sin right? Like we can practically see that. We know, oh man, I've been tempted. I've fallen into sin. I sin all the time. And it makes sense in my mind. Okay, I'm born into sin. I naturally, naturally will do the thing uh, as, as somebody who lives here, as a human being, what, that is against God's best for me. And I need Jesus to save me. We understand that part of the gospel. But what many of us avoid, the reality that many of us avoid is that we're actually not only born into sin, but we're born into the middle of a war. We're born into sin, but we're also born into the middle of a war. Ephesians 6.12 shows us this. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against the things that we can see, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Church, we're in a war. We are in a war. But the problem is that many of us live as though we're on vacation. Right? Many of us live as though we're living for vacation. Oh, I'm just going to focus on my life. I'm going to get the best job I can get. I'm going to save up all the money I can so I can go out and just, just spend my life at, at a beach when I retire. And, and it's good and it's great. And I'm going to do all of these things for me. And I'm going to focus on my present reality, what I can see, what I can control, what I can handle, what I can do. And we ignore the fact that there is a war going on that is our main focus. But us ignoring it doesn't change the reality that it's there. Us ignoring it doesn't change the reality that we are in war. 
See, we wonder why things are difficult. And because of this misunderstanding, we question God about bad things. We blame God. We dismiss God. As much as we try to ignore it and focus on things of the world, it doesn't change the reality of the battle that we're a part of. And this battle is angels versus demons. And just like any MMA fight, just like any boxing match, just like Georgia versus Florida, there is a war going on. Just like the Astros versus the Braves, there's a war going on, but instead of people banging trash cans, they're coming after us. Some of you know what I mean. So let me introduce you to each side, angels versus demons. Let me start with demons. See, as I said, demons, they're fallen angels. They have emotions, they have intelligence, they have will. They are Satan's angels. Okay, so think about this. Angels in heaven live to worship God. Angels in hell and on earth live to worship Satan. They just chose the wrong God, okay? A third of the angels are demons because they chose the wrong God to worship. And Satan, their God's goal is to kill, to steal, and to destroy, okay? And demons are Satan's biggest advocates for what he wants to do. So so being said that, their biggest goal is to kill, to steal, and to destroy, Some demons are already locked in hell, unable to escape, but others freely roam the earth to further the agenda of their ruler, Satan. And on earth, many of us know it's Satan's biggest goal to hinder the people of God, isn't it? That's why we experience temptation. That's why we experience trial. That's why we experience him coming after us because his greatest goal is to hinder the church, to the, the, hinder the people of God from expanding and believing in God's goodness, to slow them down, to break their faith, and to distract them from who Jesus is. So in the same way, this is exactly what demons do. So how do they do that? Well, there's a few ways I want to dive into in that. But the first thing I want to do is answer a second question. And this question is, if I follow Jesus, is demonic possession possible? If I follow Jesus, would I see an insidious? Is that possible for me? The answer is no. No, it is not. Why? Because we are protected by the blood of Jesus. 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, what you need to know is when you decide to follow Jesus, you're given this presence of God, the Holy Spirit, who then lives and dwells within you, okay? And because he fills that spiritual void inside of you, there is no place for demonic possession to enter you. So no, we cannot be possessed by demons, but you better believe we can be influenced by them. We can't be possessed by demons as followers of Jesus, but that does not mean we can't be influenced by them. See, a common question that I I get when talking about demonic forces is, why don't we see as much of the demonic in America? Why don't we see as much of the demonic in America, right? Maybe you've been on a mission trip before, you've been to other countries, uh, like like I have, and when you get there, you feel a darkness that's different, right? You see people who are clearly, something is different with you, man. You are possessed by a demon. There, There is something going on here. We hear stories. Maybe you've, you've seen in other countries, but when we get back here and we don't see that. Why is that? Well, it's because we're possessed by other things, isn't it? We're possessed by money. We're possessed by success. We're possessed by stuff. 
But we do such a good job of distracting ourselves that what does Satan have to do? We're already distracting ourselves from who God is. We're already distracting ourselves from the goodness of God because we're believing so much in what we think is the goodness on earth when really it's distracting us from the goodness that God has for us for eternity. See, sports possess us. Material items possess us. I mean, th- think about this. Like, on a Sunday, if you were about to come to church and you, you all of a sudden get tickets to the Falcons game, I promise you, you're probably going to the Falcons game. Right? We reorganize our schedule to, to fit our priorities. But how often is it that we reorganize our schedule to fit Jesus? And we make excuses about not read our Bible, to not pray, to not go to church, to not be in a group. How often do we make excuses to go to other things? It's because the things of the world so often possess us here that it distracts us from who God is. Another role that demons play is to deceive anyone that they can. See, 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, talking to Christians, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. Hey, Satan's goal isn't just to uh, hurt you for a season. It isn't just a goal just to mess with you for a season. His goal is to kill you. His goal is to devour you. Nothing left. And we need to let that reality hit us because it also makes us, should make us so much more grateful for the fact that Jesus is overcomer, right? He doesn't want to just hurt you. He wants to devour you. And, and Satan and demons, man, they're good at disguising themselves as what can seem good and what can seem innocent. 2 Corinthians 11 shows us this, verses 14 through 15. It says, and no wonder for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants, his demons, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Do you know what I believe this looks like so practically for us? Our thought life. Think about your thoughts for a second. Think about the thoughts you think when no one's around. Think about the thoughts you think when you look in a mirror. Think about the thoughts you think when you think of your worth. Think about the thoughts you think when you think of your purpose. Think about the thoughts you think when you think of God in hard seasons. Think about the thoughts you think when you think of God, when you don't hear from him. Think about your thoughts for a second. See, if we aren't careful, the demonic forces of the world will use our minds as a playground for destruction. If we aren't careful, demons may just infiltrate our thoughts to destroy the image that God created us to see ourselves in, the influence that God's called us to have, and the purpose that our life has been set for. See, so often we see all the things going on in the world around us, and we think it's, our, it's God's doing or it's our doing, and all the bad things that happen, we go, oh, gosh, why is this happening to me? Again, this is happening to me. Or we think, gosh, I'm so dumb. I keep messing up whenever anything bad happens. And we believe in abundant life, but we don't believe that abundant life can actually be for us. We don't believe that freedom can actually be for us. We don't believe that we can actually be set free and step into life that Jesus describes is available because of our thoughts. It isn't, it's the demon's job to get us as far away as possible from the goodness that God has to offer. Maybe, just maybe, that is something that you need to dive into this morning. See, just like Satan, demons are good at their job. And demons can destroy can disguise themselves as light, as something that's good on the surface. Like maybe for you, practically, this looks like an innocent temptation. You're like, oh man, if I fall to that, whatever, and it leads to a spider web, 
of temptations. Maybe for you it's that small lie that you told and then that other small lie and all of a sudden they're big lives and all of a sudden you're deceiving your friends and your family. Maybe for you it's just flirting with that coworker because it's innocent, right? All of a sudden your family is destroyed. Maybe for you it's that drink where you drank too much just once, just twice because it takes the edge off. Like in America, it may seem like the demo- there are no demonic influences, but maybe, just maybe, they're really good at their jobs. And they know how to come at us and make us distracted from the goodness of God. See, demons feed us lies. And why? Because they get their influence. They learn from the greatest liar there ever was and ever will be, Satan. Right? We see it in the Garden of Eden when Satan comes to Eve as a serpent he makes it feel like it's not a big deal to sin. Hey, it's not a big deal to eat the fruit. He says, hey, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Just eat the fruit. Just take a bite. Not a big deal. But all of a sudden, this one little lie, because he was good at his job, led to the downfall of all of humanity. And if he can do that to Eve, what thoughts can he place in your mind? What things can he try to destroy you with? And maybe for you, it's extreme anxiety or horrible depression or deep addiction or a boatload of lies, of secrets, a crazy amount of doubt. Maybe, just maybe, that could be the work of a demon. But can I tell you how to get rid of it? Can I tell you the power that you can approach this with? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Because in the name of Jesus, demons have no power. The name of Jesus is life. The name of Jesus is power. The name of Jesus is freedom. The name of Jesus wins. And what I want for you to know this morning is that Jesus is to demons what kryptonite is to Superman. It debilitates them. They don't know where to go because Jesus is good. And Jesus always wins. But here's something I want for us to ponder this morning. See, maybe, you, maybe we give Satan too much credit, right? Maybe sometimes we give the demonic too much credit. We give Satan too much credit, like flat tire, mm, Satan's coming after me. Burnt toast, demon in the toaster. Kid failed a test after they didn't study at all. It's a demon. They came after him. Hey, school counselor, fix their GPA. It's a demon. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but many of us, We give Satan too much credit sometimes. We act like Satan is coming after each of us personally, don't we? And I'll be honest, he would if he could, but he doesn't have that kind of power. See, God is the only creation, the only presence that is omnipresent, meaning that God is the only thing that can be in all places at all times with all people. Satan doesn't have that power. So yes, he has demons who continue his work. Yes, he has demons who can run after people and continue his mission. But he doesn't have that kind of reach. His reach is limited. But can I tell you that the reach of Jesus is unlimited this morning? The reach of Jesus can come with you every step of the way. The reach of Jesus can be in your life in every single circumstance because God is that powerful and he is that good. So that's demons. Now let's get into angels. See, just like demons... Angels, they have emotion, they demonstrate will, and they are intelligent. 
See, angels, they don't have physical bodies, but they do have individual personalities. And God has, has, God has unlimited knowledge, but the angels, they have limited knowledge. Their knowledge isn't unlimited like God's, but it is probably more than ours. Okay? So God has unlimited knowledge. Angels are probably next, and then it's us. And why? Because they spend time in the presence of God. So obviously they know more about who he is. And angels, they appear, they appear in Scripture around 300 times. So it's very clear, hey, we need to take notice of who angels are. We need to take notice of the purpose of, of who angels are. And we need to take notice of what angels do for us. There's a couple misconceptions that we often have as people when it comes to angels. And I want to dive into a few of those in the form of questions. First question, do you become an angel when you die? All right, many of us ask this question, do you become an angel when you die? So maybe at some point you've seen a movie or you've read a book or you've seen a show on Netflix and somebody dies and their soul steps out of their body and they grow a pair of wings and they fly up to heaven and they become one of God's angels. That is not real. That does not happen. The Bible makes that pretty clear. When we die, we do not become angels. Actually, angels in us coexist in heaven for eternity, and we join them glorifying God forever. We are not angels, but we join with the angels in heaven for eternity. So that's the first thing. Second question, do each of us have a guardian angel? Do each of us have a guardian angel? Well, the answer is we don't fully know. But what we do know is that there's nowhere in Scripture that talks about that when we have someone who we love and they die, they become our guardian angel. Because like I just said, people don't become angels, right? And so when we have someone that we love and they die, they probably are not guarding after us. They're probably not looking after us in their next life. Why? Because heaven is that awesome. It is that awesome. They are so focused on the person of Jesus that, that they're not worried about us. And we shouldn't be worried about that. Do you know why? Because God is watching after us. Because Jesus is watching after us. And it is in the best interest for the person you love and follow Jesus when they went to heaven to just glorify and live in perfection there just like it is for us, for the perfected God to be the one who's looking after us and running the plays with us and giving us his presence through the Holy Spirit. He loves us. So we might not have guardian angels in the, in the face of your loved ones, but we do have a guardian, and his name is Jesus, and there's no greater guardian to have. Now, the book of Revelation does talk about how uh, there are certain churches that have guardian angels that look after them, so it is possible that maybe as a church, maybe as a group of people, there are angels that are looking after us, but we don't fully know. Another thing uh, that angels do is angels are messengers. Right? We've heard the Christmas story when angels come to when an angel comes to Mary and say, "Hey, you're going to have a baby, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us." And angels are messengers; they bring the message of God to His people. Right? Angels are also ministers to the body of believers. Just like an angel when Jesus is in the wilderness and being tempted, an angel comes to minister to him. Uh, Hebrews 1.14 says, are, are they, meaning angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit, are to inherit salvation? Guys, this is amazing. Angels join Jesus in coming after us to help us inherit the salvation that was waiting for us in the treasure of heaven. Angels are also ministers. Angels also give direction. If you've ever read the book of Acts, angels come alongside of the church in the book of Acts to tell the church where to go next. Angels, they execute the plan of God. 
Just like when they rolled away the stone from the tomb when Jesus resurrected, they were coming alongside of God to execute his plans. And angels, man, they are mighty. They are mighty. They are powerful. And that leads me to my next question. What do angels look like? What do angels look like? Well, I can tell you one thing. They do not look like baby Cupid, okay? We don't got uh, thousands of little babies floating around in diapers shooting arrows at our butt. I hate to break it to you. Hopefully that should be comforting because that's a terrifying sight, okay? <laughs> they don't look like baby Cupid. They aren't cute. They aren't the like little or like, star thing that we see at the top of Christmas trees sometimes, like the majestic little people angels. Like that's not what they look like. Actually, the Bible describes them as they're more like Transformers, okay? If you've seen the movie Transformers, you have a better understanding of what angels look like, all right? It's biblical. Go watch it tonight, okay? But what we know is that angels, man, they're terrifying. Like when we see them, we are astonished. We fall to our, our knees in worship and in fear. We actually see an example of this in Luke 2.9. It says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So when we see angels, when people see angels, they usually they pass out, they fall to the ground in fear, but it always leads to immediate worship. Why? Because the glory of God shines through them. 2 Kings 19.35, it tells us that, that the angels, their power is so great that just one angel was able to destroy 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. Okay? That's some power. Santa's got nothing on that angel. Okay? We have to do way more in one night. Angels, they have such power that Scripture says they're able to hold back the four winds. Okay, so think about wind. They're able to hold back wind. I was at the Need to Breathe concert last night, and I got a little bit of a breeze, and I was freezing, okay? I cannot imagine the power it would take to hold back all the wind of the earth, but they have that kind of power. See, they're not little baby angels. They're the Navy SEALs of the universe. That's who the angels are. So it should give you some confidence that it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. There are legions, meaning thousands of angel armies that God has his disposal to send out to guard and protect us at any given moment. And as I said previously, though, what we, the reality we need to face, each of us today, we need to walk out of the room knowing hey, we're at war. We are at war, a spiritual war. And this war is unseen by the human eye. This war causes destruction. This war causes people to turn away from the goodness of God. This war is a serious, serious war that we cannot ignore any longer. We're at war. And right now we can't see it, but there will come a day when we will. See, the Bible says that one day the war of all wars will take place, and it will be called the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. So there will be a day where the spiritual warfare will come to fruition in an all-out battle for the kingdom of God. An all-out battle for heaven. And demonic influences will cause the kings of the earth who don't know Jesus to gather their armies for an all-out assault on, on Jerusalem. And Jerusalem are the people of God. And Satan is going to be leading this charge with all of his demon armies by his side. But Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords, will return to earth on a white horse with armies of heaven. And this is the king that we get to serve. This is epic. Check it out. Revelation 19, verse 11. 
It says, then I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, the one sitting on it called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes, Jesus' eyes, are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, pure and white, were following him on white horses. Can you just imagine this epic sight for a second? From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the, winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe, get this, on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our Jesus will return in white, on a horse, wearing a robe dipped in blood. Talk about an awesome entrance, okay? I don't know what other person could come up with a better one. That's why he's God and I'm not, okay? He unashamedly makes it known that he is king of kings, that he is lord of lords. And get this, he rides in saying that before the battle has even begun, he already says, I win. I win. The battle's over before it even starts. I'm king. I'm lord of lords. Not you, Satan. Not you, demons. You got no power on me because even though there's a war going on, I have already won. Jesus comes in to fight. But do you want to know the good news this morning? The good news this morning, church, is that Jesus came down not to declare war on you, but to declare war for you. Jesus came down not to declare war on you, but to declare war for you. See, we deserve the war on us because of our sin. We are naturally sinful and we fall short of the glory of God. And we deserve the death that came for Satan and for his demons and for those who don't know Jesus. But in God's grace, he died on the cross for us. In God's grace, he said, no, no, no. I'm going to make a way for you so that you can go to war with me, not against me. He died for you. And he rose from the grave so that you could walk in life with him, in victory with him forever. See, Jesus will come from heaven and throw Satan and his angels into a fire of destruction forever. And as followers of Jesus, we get to live in victory for eternity. Friends, we're walking in victory because we serve a victorious God this morning. We're walking in victory because Jesus chose us to walk in victory alongside of him. So what's the end of the story? What's the end of this story? Demons will be destroyed. And angels will join us in worship of our King Jesus for eternity. That's the end of the war. But the reality is that we're still living in the war right now. The war isn't over. The war is still very much present. Right now we're on earth. We're still in the fight. We're in the fight against addiction, the fight, fight for our marriage, the fight against loneliness, the fight of infertility, the fight of purposelessness, purposelessness the fight of hopelessness. We're still in the fight. The fight of depression, the fight of anxiety, fight of suicidal desperation. We are still in the fight. What we need to know in the middle of our fight is yes, the fight is very real. Yes, the war is very real. 
but we also serve a king whose name is Jesus. And the name of Jesus brings freedom. The name of Jesus brings power. The name of Jesus brings hope. The name of Jesus brings life. And through faith in Jesus, we receive victory against demons, against sin, and against darkness. See, I think back to that moment in my dorm room right now. And I wish I knew then what I know now. And maybe for you this morning, you need to come to grips with this instead of what you know now, that demons are real. And they have power right now. But Jesus, Jesus is also real. And he will always win. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I love you. But I'm so grateful for you. And Jesus, I, w- I just want to take a moment to just sit in this, to sit in prayer with you. Because in reality, there, there's a lot of stuff. We're in a war. There's a lot of stuff that we're dealing with this morning. There's a lot of darkness that we walk through every day. It's a lot of hurt. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of doubt. It's a lot of death. So Jesus, I just want to pray very specifically for some groups of people this morning. I want to pray your name over these things. Lord, the first one is death. Jesus, I want to pray your name over death for some people in this room this morning. Because there are some people who don't know you yet. There are some people that have not put their faith in you yet. And Jesus, I pray that in your name this morning, that would change. In your name this morning, they would put their faith in you and walk in victory with you for eternity. If that's you this morning, you're ready to accept Jesus into your life for the very first time, to walk in victory with him forever, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could have life. And Jesus, I decide today, I've decided to follow you for the rest of my life into eternity. And if that's you, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in a moment, in a posture of victory, because you serve a God who's victorious. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Yeah, come on, Jesus. And then for the rest of us, maybe there's some other darkness that we're walking through every day. For the rest of us, maybe there's some other things that the the demonic possession or demonic presence, sorry, demonic influence is coming at us every way with. Maybe for you this morning, it's addiction. And you feel caught in addiction and you don't know how to turn from it. You don't know where to go. If that's you, would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, you are healer. Jesus, you died for me to have life and freedom, not to be caught in the chains of addiction. So Jesus, I pray your name over my addiction. Jesus, 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 give me freedom. Maybe for you, this morning, it's a broken marriage. Maybe for you this morning, it's a broken marriage, it's a broken relationship, and, and you feel like you've tried all the things. 
it's not working and you don't know what to do and you're contemplating divorce and you're contemplating of giving up. And if that's you this morning, would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, over my marriage, I proclaim victory. Over my marriage, I pray your name, Jesus, is at the center. And Jesus, would you heal? Jesus, would you enter in? Jesus, would you restore this morning in supernatural ways that we couldn't even see coming? Jesus, would you restore this marriage? Lord, in your name, we cast out any darkness here. We believe in your power. Maybe for you, it's loneliness. If that's you this morning, would you pray this with me? Jesus, I pray against loneliness in your name, Jesus. If there are demonic thoughts and influences in my mind right now that make me feel like I'm alone, that life isn't worth it, man, maybe I should even give up. Maybe there's suicidal desperation. Jesus, I pray against that. In the name of Jesus, would you cast out any darkness and would you help me enter into the freedom and the life that you've called me to walk in? Maybe for you it's infertility. And you feel like, gosh, we've tried so hard to have kids. We feel like this is God's plan for us and it's not happening and we don't know what to do and we feel like we've exhausted all earthly options. Just join me in inviting Jesus into these moments. Jesus, would you just be in this? Jesus, your name over our plans, your name over our will, your name over what family we think we're supposed to have. And Jesus, would you just do what you need to do? Lord, cast out any darkness, any doubt, of uh, any, any hindrance to our faith in you. And Jesus, let us run forward with a full faith that you are God and you will move. And maybe for you, it's hopelessness this morning. It's purposelessness this morning. You feel like, You don't even know what life's about. If that's you, would you pray this with me? Jesus, would you step into my worth? Would you step in my hopelessness? And Jesus, would you proclaim life this morning? Would you proclaim how you see me this morning? Would you show me how you see Jesus? Because when Jesus died on the cross, it allowed you to see me in the same way. Show me my purpose. Show me my life. Show me my hope. Father, I'm so grateful that you hear us. I'm so grateful that you move. I'm so grateful that your plans, your desire for us is victory and freedom. It's in your name we pray.